Bear one another's burden, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Good morning. Welcome to Regen. Oh, such a lively group this morning. Such a lively group. This is great. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. We love it, and we ask, Holy Spirit, for you to speak through it to us, that as you are with us, that you are also in us. And for those of us whom you choose to baptize in your spirit, may you do that, because we need you to influence, to touch, to change this world. And so we need your power. God, we ask for your word, not just to simply be knowledge and not simply just to be conviction of our spirits, but that it would change us, that we would go out different, that we would be more conformed into the image of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Two weeks ago, we ended in Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, which is instruction on how we're not to treat one another. And Galatians 5, verse 26, it reads this, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now this morning we're going to take a look at how we are to treat one another and continuing that because back in chapter 6 verse 1 it was starting to go that way and this is what it reads. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. As verse 1's focus is on restoration, our text this morning will continue to address how we are to treat one another with the focus on today's text being bearing one another's burden. Restoration, bearing one another's burdens. Two very practical applications for us to act upon. Two actions we can put into practice very regularly. But let us keep in mind that these are not actions to be done out of our flesh. They are to be done through the Spirit Think about this. What good is restoration or bearing one another's burdens if those actions are done by works of the flesh that are mentioned in chapter 5? Right? Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, things like those things. That would be terrible. I mean, that would cause more damage than good. Rather, these actions are to be done in the Spirit, to have the fruit of the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. So here we are. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens. It doesn't say, bear one another's burdens if you have them. Right? Because it is expected, it is anticipated that you will have burdens. We all have burdens. Now what is a burden? It is a heaviness, weight, trouble, or anything pressing on one physically, or that makes a demand on one's resources, whether materially, emotionally, spiritually, or religiously. Everyone experiences burdens, and the Bible expects that we all will have them. Yet, how many of us go on life thinking that we don't have any burdens? And maybe it's because you may feel that you are unspiritual if you have burdens. But I want to encourage you this morning to just live in reality. Just be honest, and just join the burden wagon. Like we, <laughs> the, 
No need for fronting here, right? We're, we're family. Just, burdens, burdens. We should be called the Burden Church. And, you know, you talk to some folks, and you'll ask them what's going on. And, oh, everything's great. I, you have anything wrong? Oh, no, no burden. No, I'm, I'm awesome. Like, everything's good in life. Well, someone's lying. And it ain't the Bible, right? Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4. For while we are still in this tent... We groan, being burdened. As long as you're in your body, you're going to groan, and you're going to be burdened. It's a fact. If you don't believe it, just wait a few years. It'll happen. It happens. Paul experienced this. Matter of fact, not long after he wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just, that's where we were. Turn over a couple chapters to chapter 7, verse 5. And this is a story about Paul's burden here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. It's burden. Right? We were created to bear one another's burden, and you can't do that if you're not being vulnerable in your relationships or your community. We were not created to carry our own burdens. Sharing our burdens, your burdens, does not mean that you're less spiritual. It just means you're more honest. Not sharing them means that you're a good actor, good at hiding your burdens. And sure, there are a variety of burdens, right? They vary in severity. But as humans, you experience burdens, worries, anxieties, fears, doubts, sorrows, pains, concerns, all those things derived from within yourself or from someone else inflicting those things upon you because you care about them, and so you feel that. So we need each other. And yes, we go to God with our burdens, right? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We're instructed to bear another's burdens as well as relying on Jesus here, to be open for God to use us as instruments of his love and his care for others. Picking up the story here of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's read on here, see what happened to Paul. Verse 6. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Now, how did God comfort Paul and his company, the downcast? He comforted them through a person, right? Through the presence of Titus. In their affliction, in their burden, God used Titus. Let's read on, verse 7. And not only by his coming, Titus coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. The Corinthians, the larger community here, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. God uses us to bear one another's burdens, whether we are like Titus who bore Paul's burdens directly and showed up and was there ministering to him directly, or whether we're like the Corinthians and it's more indirect, yet they were bearing Paul's burdens a little bit more far removed, but we bear one another's burdens. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What did Paul write in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14? For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for one another. The way to bear one another's burdens is to love one another. To be observant of others' burdens, not just kind of worried about yourself. And Jesus is a great example of this. It wasn't just lip service for Jesus. He lived this. You take a look at this beautiful story Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. They both had burdens. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt, the larger burden. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. She knew where to go to have her burdens lifted. Right? Someone with the fruit of the Spirit, Jesus, and not someone with enmity or hostility, strife, jealousies, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Not like those Pharisees. Verse 48, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, Jesus bore our burdens. And we are to follow his example to bear one another's burdens. Another example of Jesus bearing another's burdens. John chapter 8, starting in verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Burden. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, 
sin no more. Now something really, really neat about these two stories, notice this. Jesus lifted the burden before he shared any type of theology. Isn't that interesting? He didn't start out with talking about the forgiveness of sins. He didn't start out by talking about salvation or judgment or sanctification or any theological point. Those things came after he bore their burdens. It makes me think of the church sometimes because sometimes we kind of get things crossed. Right? We want to get the gospel out there. We want to get the theology out there before we lift someone's burden. Yet, if we do that, you tend to lose them. It tends to be cheap. Now, one last story of bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ, fulfilling the law of love. This is a story that I think everyone is familiar with. Luke chapter 15, it's the story of the prodigal son. I can summarize these things for you, but I feel like reading the word is just that much more powerful. Starting in verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided them amongst his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven in, in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and he is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Bearing one another's burdens. Jesus taught this. Jesus lived this by example. And if we do this, we fulfill the law of Christ. We fulfill the law of love. Verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now here's a warning from Paul about arrogance, about conceitedness. And let's not swing to the other way to self-degradation, self-deprecation, and those sorts of things, because the text does not teach that either. Now, this is something to keep in mind too. The text does not read, for if anyone thinks he is something, he deceives himself. It reads, for if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And it's important to include that phrase, when he is nothing, in that verse. Because this is about deception. This is about deceiving yourself. Like thinking you're more than that when you're really not. 
And so this type of arrogance, this type of pride was what Peter dealt with in his denial of Jesus, right? Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 27. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Yeah. And so you notice Peter's pride, you notice his arrogance, right? Even though they all fall away, I will not. And he deceived himself because he was not self-aware that here. He thought of himself as more than he really was and without any self-realization of how truly weak he was. And just a few hours later, what happened? He fell flat on his face. Right? Peter had the same struggle as many of us do. That we just think too highly of ourselves, And it's important to be self-aware of the true self. To have a real and accurate, honest opinion of yourself. But when you think you are something, when you are nothing, that false self, you're deceiving yourself. Again, let's not swing the other way to self-deprecation, self-degradation, self-contempt. The Bible is not advocating that at all. Either extreme is unbiblical. So where are we to find ourselves? Just open-handed. Open-handed. Not clutching onto ourselves to think that we're God's greatest gift to all of creation, nor thinking that we're the scum of the earth and we're good for nothing. Just open-handed. To live in just a dynamic relationship with God. Knowing that there will be tension in our lives that help us to live in a godly manner at any given time. And when the Holy Spirit is actively working in our lives, deepening our relationships with God, as we are in the presence of God, we're just living open-handed. We're not clutching onto anything to see ourselves as we truly are. Putting that mirror up and just seeing what it really is. That we have a sin nature. We have a sin nature within us that rebels against God, knowing that we don't deserve His mercy, we don't deserve His favor, we don't deserve His gifts. So why do we get anything good from God anyway? It's His grace. It's His love. And the hope is, as His children, even though we are rebellious, that it awakens us spiritually and leads us to be gracious and loving people, to be like Jesus, to be compassionate, generous, caring, tender, gentle, humble, helpful to people when they are burdened. Not to think so little of ourselves that we are nothing, which is inaccurate. But also not to think too highly of ourselves, looking down our noses at others with judgment and contempt, criticizing why others are where they are at and how they got into the mess that they got in, rather than making their burden lighter. We make it heavier. See, we need to seek to bear another's burdens because we know we desperately need our own burdens lifted. That God lifted our burden and we know that what it is like when others bear our burdens with us. See, it wouldn't be right for Christians not to bear another's burdens when Jesus bore our burdens. What gets in the way of us bearing another's burdens? False opinion of yourself. Whether that false opinion is that you're good for nothing 
and you can't do anything for anybody and you just keep beating yourself up and you don't take action because you think you can't do anything or you have a false opinion of yourself that you're too good, you're too good for everything and rather than helping someone, you're just judging them and you're looking down and you're despising them rather than helping them. It's just a false opinion of self. But who you really are in light of what the Bible says about you, how God views you, you are so loved. You are his beloved. And despite your rebellion, you are deeply loved by God. So live within that truth. I'm a rebel that doesn't deserve anything from God. But I'm given everything. I'm loved by him. And you can choose to be a spoiled brat thinking you're entitled to judge everyone else because they just aren't as good as you. You can choose to be this self-defeated person thinking you're worth nothing and you can't do anything for anyone. Or you can choose to embrace the truth. You're deeply loved by God despite your rebellion. He loves you. So you don't think too highly of yourself, but you don't think you're nothing either. You know that you're loved by God, so you embrace that truth. Now what? Verse 4, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. See, the Bible's not advocating self-deprecation, self-degradation. It says, test your own work and then your reason to boast will be in yourself. See, God wants us to be honest, truthful, accurate to ourselves. How do we go about discovering that? For each one of us to test our own work, to test our own actions, and it's not a competition. It's not you comparing to somebody else, the person next to you or whatever. You notice what verse 4 says. But let each one test his own work. It's just between you and God. That's it. He's not comparing you to other people. It's between you and him, between you and his righteousness. And it's not a competition. So for those of you who compare yourself to others or compare churches to others, you need to stop. That's of the flesh. That's worldly thinking. That's not biblical. That's not God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even you. We're not to measure ourselves by comparing ourselves to one another because we all have different assignments from God. You can't compare answers if the tests are different. Right? You can't compare answers if the assignments are different. Each assignment has its own answers. And God assigned to you something different that he assigned to someone else and you're accountable to God for the assignment he gave you. So there's no need to compare. Comparing either makes you feel that you're better than someone else or that you're worse than someone else. And what good is that? What good is that? Just do what God assigned you. And do verse 4. But let each one test his own work. Travel your journey, not someone else's. Right? You don't have to be cynical about someone else's work. Stop that cynical criticism, condemning judgments of what others are doing or not doing. Test your own work. 
not comparing it to others, but against what God has given to you. Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. It doesn't say, search him, O God, and know his heart. Try him and know his thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in him and lead him in the way of everlasting. It does not say that. To bear one another's burdens, we need to look at ourselves. We need to have a clear picture of who we really are. And if we do that, we'll find that picture to be quite humbling. And if there is anything to boast about, we know it is only by the grace of God. And this is so contrary to the flesh and contrary to the world because the metrics of the flesh and the world depends on comps. Everything. We compare everything. Right? Any type of achievement is compared, right? Grades, jobs, sports, music, art, anything. Anything we attach value to, where we live, what we drive, what we wear, anything with a result. I'm stronger, I'm weaker, I'm dumber, I'm smarter, I'm faster, I'm slower. Everything. We just compare everything. And a lot of that comparing is due to a weak identity in who we really are in Jesus. When we lose sight of who we really are in Jesus, you are his beloved. And nothing can change that. And we compare, and in our vision to bear one another's burdens gets cloudy when we start to do this comparison, making it a really hard task to care for one another because your vision's cloudy. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. And it's not to boast about you. The boasting will be in yourself alone and not in your neighbor, but the boasting will be about God working in you. Because hopefully you're not sitting in your room and thinking, you know, you're awesome. Yeah. And you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, you. You're, 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 you're really awesome. It's to recognize who we really are in Jesus. And our boasting is in what God did through us, not that we're awesome, but he's awesome. And look what he did through us, and that's great. To recognize when God is working in us, and that is so humbling. I mean, what an honor. And we don't boast to others like, hey, look, God's using me. Like, I'm so great. We boast about God. It's like, it's just thanks. Thanks. For each will have to bear his own load. And you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Verse 2 just said, bear one another's burdens. And this says, for each will have to bear his own... What? Well, what is that about? Take a closer look at the nouns in the two verses. Verse 2 instructs, bear one another's burdens. Verse 5 informs us that each will have to bear his own load. Two different words. Not the same Greek word in the original text. Two different words. Similar, but two entirely different words. So what's the difference? Well, burden, we gave the definition a little earlier, defined as a heaviness, weight, trouble, anything pressing on one physically or that makes a demand on one's resources, whether material, emotional, spiritual, or religious. Now load, even though that definition can be similar, has a different context. It's in relation to what a carrier carries for work or for a mission. 
So it's like a ship carrying freight, carrying cargo, carrying their load. So depending on the context, that's how you'd use those words. You wouldn't say, look at all the burdens that ship is carrying. <laughs> that's weird. You don't say that. You'd say, look at the load the ship is carrying. Look at the cargo, look at the freight. And you wouldn't say, look at the load she's carrying. Eee. At least you wouldn't say that too often, because that could mean something totally different. If someone were to say, your baby's carrying a load, I changed her diaper, even though that can be a burden. But another context for the word load, it's to be applied to a soldier, right? When a soldier carries a load on his pack, loaded with supplies for his mission. And so in boot camp and in training, yes, that thing is a burden. It serves no purpose just to just be heavy on you and to work you out. But on a mission, that thing's different. That thing's different. What's inside is needed. That is not a burden. This is survival. You need this. It's a load to be carried on a mission. It doesn't become a burden. And when this thing becomes a burden, that means you let it go so that you can survive. Now go back one verse. But let each one test his own work, and then verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. God has commissioned you to go out to sea, to be loaded up with freight and carry it across the ocean. Fulfill your mission. God has sent you on a mission, loaded up on your pack to carry out the mission assigned to you. Not to me. You. I think the church should do this. Ah, uh, You. You, not me. You carry it out. And on the day we come face to face with God, the truth will be told about the freight that you carried, whether you carried out the orders that he gave to you. On that day, the truth will be revealed as to whether we have accomplished the mission with the pack, the load that he loaded us up with to get the job done. You and I are to test our own work. We don't compare, and it's not a competition. Hey, my pack's heavier than your pack. Go walk. Look at Johnny. He didn't. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's not about Johnny. It's about you. And it's just between you and God. But God, look at Sophie. I did so much more than her. I mean, she did... It's not about anyone else. It's about you and your work. Your journey with the load that he gave you to carry across the ocean or your mission to carry your load for your mission. Don't go telling me what to do. God's going to do that. I mean, encourage. You know, things like that. But don't criticize. It's the same thing for you guys when we're trying to get on you or something. Like, you can be like, hey, back off. Not my journey. Not my load. How freeing is that? How freeing is that? Someone can't impose on you what they want. I love it. Especially as a pastor, I love this. I, I just read this. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I'm not going to debate you and I'm not going to argue with you and stuff like that. I'm going to just let you kind of do what you're thinking because I don't want to make you feel mad at me or anything like that. But I just go back to this word. I'm like, thank you, God. I'm going to carry my load. Carry my cargo. Everyone else's, that's their thing. And as a church, this is a huge challenge to differentiate between a burden and a load. We need to bear one another's burdens. 
while recognizing we all have a load to bear, our own load. And ministry can become a burden. And at those times, we need to bear them with each other. Right? So there are things that need to happen here so that we can minister effectively. Right? There are a lot of people across the street at Cross Street's Breakfast before the service that need prayer, that need to be extended love and care. And there are times, you may want to pray about this, that we need to help bear those burdens. The children of our church need to be in community where they can receive the word of God at an age-appropriate level so they can gain a truly good understanding of the gospel and God's love for them. And the church needs people to extend hospitality and warmth to others who visit our church or who regularly attend our church and many other needs at our church. There are so many needs at our church. And to some, these are burdens. How do we bear them with one another? And what started out as a load, maybe it became a burden. And so some of these things are burdens. And to some others, these things are loads. And the challenge is to figure out which is which and to bear one another's burdens while recognizing there are loads assigned to us by God to carry out a mission to us. My load is to pastor. That's my load. Hasn't become a burden yet. But if you see that, Please help me lift it. And as a church, we need to bear one another's burdens and to bear the load given to us. That's ours. Bear the load God has given to you to sail across the seas and carry out your mission. But don't forget to bear one another's burdens. That even though you're on your way to your destination, but then if some other ship is in distress... You don't just continue going, bearing your own load. Hey, I got my own load. I can't be distressed. You, you, you're going to sink. Forget it. I'm, I got my own load. We need to change course. Go to that other ship, bear those burdens, and then we go back carrying our own. It's not like we offloaded our load. We carry that along with us. We help that ship in distress, and then we continue on. It's the same thing in combat. Soldiers are carrying their own loads. They have a mission. Soldier goes down. You're like, tough. Right? You address the guy. You address the wounded guy. You help him. You help his burden. It's not like, oh, time out, time out. Mission canceled. This guy went down. You still have a mission. You just take care of this and you just continue on your mission. And I think this journey part is what God is really interested in. It's not that destination part. The destination part's going to happen. But this journey part, this path that we're taking, I think those are the times that we are given opportunities to please God. To reroute, to go to that ship in distress. To reroute and help that person who has fallen. You bear each other's burdens, which may have started out as a load. Everyone was going on the same mission. We all have the same packs. We're going on the same mission. We all have some similar cargo going on the same mission. But then things happen, right? Things happen. And you fall, or your ship's in distress. And so we need to be aware of what's happening and discern between people's burdens and their loads. Because if we're taking their load off of them, when it's really not a burden, it's their load, we're doing them a disservice. That's their thing. Don't rob them of their mission. And so you and I are to address both bearing one another's burdens, and to bear our own load. 
Comparing burdens, comparing loads, that's not part of the equation. Bearing one another's burdens, bearing our own load is what we are going to be held accountable to. Now, skip over to verse 7, which we're going to unpack more next week, but I just want to leave you with this verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Let's pray. God, you are all-knowing. You will not be mocked. And Lord, we know that whatever we sow, we will reap. And yet, Lord, you are so gracious and you view us as your beloved that we didn't even sow anything for that. So much love and compassion and tenderness, gentleness towards your children. Lord, help us to recognize that. Help us to extend that to others, bearing one another's burdens. And we ask for your wisdom and discernment and knowledge to know the difference between when something is a burden and when something is a load. We want to walk in your godly wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.